Hallelujah. Are you excited to be in church this morning? If you're excited, put your hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah. And I think our choir deserves a big round of applause. Their first ever ministration. Hallelujah. Yeah, you know, we are a young church, so we're trying to put the choir together. And today, finally, yeah, the music directorate has managed to get them to give us a ministration. And this choir is going to go places. Hallelujah. Yeah. Oh, it's only the Christians that are excited. This choir is going to go places. You know, Hillsong came out of a church. So you'll be the Hillsong in the next few years. With your song going across the globe and reaching the corners of the earth. Hallelujah. You may take your seats. We bless God for this morning. And um, how many of you are ready to receive the word? How many of you are ready to receive the word? How many of you are enjoying the 21 day fasting and prayer? Yeah, me, I'm, I'm, I'm really into the thing, pa. Hallelujah. Yes. And tonight we'll meet. Amen. We are about to enter the last week of the fast. And uh, my prayer is that those of you who have been peripheral with the fasting, at least you, you take it that it's a seven-day fast. Okay, so you can start tomorrow. I'm sure this morning you have already sessioned some. Yes. So, <laughs> you just take it that yours is a seven-day fasting and prayer time. Hallelujah. Let's start tomorrow. And... Make sure as for the last week, you don't miss any of the prayer meetings. Amen. In the evenings, just come and take the full dose and let's finish strongly. Hallelujah. Yes. So a week by this time, we'll be finishing the fast. Amen. Oh, <laughs> and by popular request, we are going to end it with another Sunday brunch. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that day we'll have service. We'll follow it up with a communion and anointing service. And after that, we'll break it here. No, here, here. And then in the evening, we'll come back and have a praise and worship night. Two hours straight of praise and worship in this place. Hallelujah. Yeah. So don't be thinking about the branch on Sunday. You suspend it for now. Suspend it for now. Yes. Suspend it for now. Hallelujah. All right. This morning, I want to preach a very simple, practical message to you. Amen. There isn't a lot of theology in it, but there's a lot of practicality in it. Yes. And this morning, what I'm going to do is that I'm coming to elicit certain signs in you. Hallelujah. Yeah. If, you see, my examples are mostly medical, forgive me, because of my bias. If you have hyperreflexia, right we will not know until we have tapped on the tendon so that is what elicits the fact that ah, you have a problem a neurological problem so today the message is going to elicit certain things in you it's going to show you certain things you see the word of god is supposed to be like a mirror we look into the mirror and we use it to examine ourselves hallelujah all right so today i'm going to preach on the topic you're waiting for the topic, eh? <laughs> I'm going to preach on the topic on masking the spirit of pride. 
unmasking the spirit of pride. Yeah. Because the spirit of pride is masked. It is probably the only sin that you can walk in and you don't know you are walking in it. You never know you are walking in it. Most of the other things, if it's fornication, you know that you are fornicating. If you are committing adultery, you know. But with things like pride, they are unmasked. They are masked. So today, my aim is to unmask the spirit of pride. And as I'm speaking, you will, you may, in fact, you will see yourself in the sermon. Hallelujah. And you have to receive this word with humility. Amen. The antidote for pride is humility. Amen. Yeah, see yourself in it and work on it. Unmasking the spirit of pride. Now, why is pride such an important topic? Most of the time, we, we talk about other things. We focus on other things. But pride is not one of those things that we spend a lot of time talking about. But today, I want you to understand that it is a very serious sin and God takes a very serious view of that thing called, called pride. Amen. God takes a very, very, very serious view of that thing called pride. And the reason God takes a serious view of this thing called pride is that pride is the mother of all sins. It was pride that gave birth to sin. In fact, the first act of pride didn't take place here on earth. It took place in heaven. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. It's talking about Lucifer now. He said, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? Next. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Now, this was a manifestation of pride. This is the first sin, the original sin. The, the, uh, until this time, there was nothing like sin. Nobody had heard of sin. There was absolutely nothing like sin. But then suddenly pride rose up in the heart of an entity called Lucifer. And he decided that he was going to orchestrate a coup d'etat against God. Pride is the one thing that has threatened God's throne in heaven. It's the only thing that has threatened God's throne in heaven. That is why he takes a very serious view of pride. Hallelujah. And this pride gave birth to rebellion the rebellion produced men being cast down. Sorry, angels being cast down. God created man, put man on earth, and sin came into the earth. So the thing that brought sin into this world, all the other sins, was pride. And that is why God takes a very serious view of this thing called pride. Hallelujah. Now you wonder why pride is not explicitly stated as one of the deeds of the flesh. I've been wondering too that pride is a very serious thing. Why is it that pride is not stated explicitly as one of the deeds of the flesh? But on meditating, I realized that God puts pride in a class of his own because of how serious it is. When sin was being broken down into three, 
the last of the flesh, the last of the eyes, they gave pride a position of pride, which is the pride of life. It is in the class of his own. Hallelujah. And that is why God takes a very, very serious view of it. And that is why you and I must do everything in our power and in our ability to avoid walking in the spirit of pride. You must avoid walking in the spirit of pride. And the Bible has stated clearly certain consequences of pride. And I want to take us through some of these consequences of pride. I want to give you just five reasons, right? Five reasons why you must avoid pride. And after that, I'm going to give you subtle manifestations of pride. That is where you begin to see yourself in the sermon. So, the first reason why you must avoid pride is that God will humble you if you are proud. God will humble you if you are proud. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 2, verse 12. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 12. God will humble you if you are proud. If you are not prepared to humble yourself, you must be prepared for God to take you through a lesson in humility. And I don't think you want God to take you through that lesson in humility. Hallelujah. So you better learn the humility yourself. He said, For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, and upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. Hallelujah. This is the word of God. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but this word will forever last. And when people like Isaiah speak, you must take them seriously. Because of all the prophets, God chose him to be the one to prophesy about the most important thing in human history, which is the birth of the Son of God himself. He had the most revelation. That should tell you the place he occupies where the prophets are concerned. And Isaiah is telling you here that God is going to humble the lofty. Anyone who is pride, proud, sorry, God is going to humble you. I remember when we were in school, second clinical year, we were about to write our exam. Now it's called final part two, but then it was final part one. And something ate into our revision period. So our revision period was cut by a few days. So we met as a class to go and appeal for extension of the revision period because Charlie, people are afraid of being referred and stuff like that. So we met. So in the meeting, people brought, you know, ideas. Yes, you know, let's go and ask for more time, maybe some extra four days or something because at least you can cover some small ONGs, some small PDX here and there, and it may affect your results at the end of the day. When everybody had finished speaking, this guy got up, took the floor. He stood there and looked at us. In fact, after that speech, everybody felt like, he said, what have you been doing for one whole year? No, this is not a lecturer, our mate. What have you been doing for one whole year? For you to think that if you have been lazy for one year, an extra four days, will make a difference in your mark. Everybody was quiet. Because in a way, what he was saying made sense. <laughs> but the arrogance would treat the guy said, so what have you been doing? He said, as for him, he has gotten his elective slot in Virginia, US. He has already bought his ticket. 
if we extend the revision by a few days it is going to extend the exam by a few days it's going to eat into the time of his elective so we are not going to ask for any extension no after somebody has spoken like that when it comes to a vote will you raise your hand and say it means you are not serious one year you have been sleeping in fact there was no need to even take the thing to a vote that statement ended the meeting everybody left there quiet and solemn but you could tell what people were thinking in their heads that if this guy something should go wrong and he should fail any of the papers and you see sometimes when a lot of people are thinking the same thing at the same time it's as good as it being spoken so we took the revision period like that and this thing I'm talking about was a brilliant story I mean in a class we know those who are you know we know, we know the levels right yeah, those who are aiming for a pass you just want to get to the halfway mark trusting God to cross the line with your head by the skin of your teeth there are others that is not their aim they are aiming for the credits and the distinctions when they come out and they are sad it's not because they think they won't pass it's because they are aiming for 85 and they are, it looks like they'll get 79 meanwhile you if they give you 63 you will throw a party all you want is something to just pass through and this guy wasn't one of those students you would expect to be struggling with passing. The results were flashed. And those days weren't that many in class. Like, so if a referral list comes, maybe some three or four. So everybody knows that, okay, this person, you know, that kind of thing. The referral list came and this guy's face was, his guy's name was there. In fact, somebody looked at his mark. Me, I, was, I went to look at it. Somebody looked at his mark and jubilated Charlie Apazo. Look at so they said, and he mentioned the guy's name. He said, mentioned his name. He said, hey, this guy failed. Oh, In fact, he was more emotional about that one than he seeing himself pass. God has shown him, humbled him. Somebody humble yourself before God decides to humble you. Hallelujah. He had a point, but the way he presented it wasn't good. What have you been doing? I remember it like yesterday, like just waving the finger. Can I remember like a wiper? Like that. What have you been doing? So God will humble you. Number two, God will resist you. And that is a serious thing. If you are proud, God will resist you. I don't have time to read all the all the scriptures. So you write James 4:6 down. And go and read it. And I've always told you that my imagery of God resisting a man, if you want to know what it means for God to resist a man, imagine how big God is. And if you want to have an idea of how big God is, look at the scripture that says that the earth is his footstool. He rests his foot on the earth like that. That means his shoe size alone is like the size of the earth. That's a shoe size. That's how big God is. And imagine this big God resisting. When you say resist, 
That means I'm standing in between you and the things you want to achieve in life. The things you want to see in life. I'm standing there, me, big God like, macho God like that. I say, stop. You are not moving. Because of pride. Nothing you do will go well. Nothing you do will go well. God resists the proud. And that is why you should not be proud. Point number three. Pride will bring you disgrace. Proverbs 11.2 I want to rush through because I want to start eliciting the signs quickly. Proverbs 11.2 You go back later and read it. It brings strife. Pride brings strife. Quarrels. And then five. It causes destruction. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 12. Now let me quickly move into the subtle manifestations of pride. I've told you that pride is one of those things that when you are walking in you know in fact one of the signs that you are proud is that you think you are humble you think you are humble the first manifestation of pride is that when I mentioned the topic somebody's name came to your mind that is the first manifestation somebody's image came to your mind and say, uh-huh, yes, talk to them speak to them minister to them I am ministering to you <laughs> that's the first sign you thought of somebody so I'm listening to them you thought of somebody second sign you look down on those who are less educated less affluent less refined less beautiful or less successful than yourself One day a certain lady came to me. She said a gentleman had proposed to her. And she was like, man of God, can you imagine this guy? He said he likes me. I said, what did you say? He said, I said, can you imagine? I said, yes, I can imagine. I said, why are you talking like that? Is he not a human being? Doesn't he have two eyes? Or he came with three eyes? Or four noses? So I say, this guy is a nosy guy. <laughs> so I can't be with him. Didn't he, when he wanted to tell you he lied you, didn't he open his mouth and say, I like you? Or he came backing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Or he came like a cat with whiskers. Isn't he a human being? The only time you can say that is if the person is a non-believer. That's the only time you can say that. Can, can, can you imagine a daughter of God like me and an Amalekite and a Luciferian like that wants to like me? That's the only time you are permitted. But if it is based on class, if it's based on the fact that you think the guy no fine, Nigeria will say the guy war war. That's not Nigeria, war war guy. If you don't like, tell the guy, Charlie, I don't like. Simple. But to stand and say, can you imagine? Can you imagine? You to somebody is standing somewhere and say, ah, this girl crap. <laughs> you have to come down from your high horse. <laughs> Number three, you find it difficult to say sorry and to ask for forgiveness when you know you are wrong. It's different when you don't know you are wrong. 
But there are some people, even when they know they are wrong, they know that they are wrong. Saying sorry is difficult. The whole of 2017, count the number of times you said sorry. And then count the number of times you offended people when you knew you had offended them. And to show you that you are proud. It is a manifestation of the spirit of pride. Saying sorry is difficult. Oh, you get to buy it. Even though you know you've done the wrong thing. You get to buy it. And you see, saying sorry is not only when you realize you were wrong. Sometimes you have to say sorry even when you think you are right. For the mere fact that you have hurt somebody's feeling. You have to say sorry. But sometimes we are too proud to open our mouth and say sorry. We are too proud to open our mouth and say, please forgive me. So I said, when you go back and look at 2017, the number of times you offended people and the number of times you were able to open your mouth and say sorry, you realize that you score like 1% or 2%. That makes you a high-grade proud person. But in 2018, you are changing. Amen. Yeah. We, we have to understand that not everybody thinks like us. Not everybody does things like us. Not everybody perceives things like us. So you may not even agree that you've done something wrong, but still apologize. Because you have hurt the person's feeling. Amen. Number four. You get instinctively defensive when a fault of yours is pointed out. Instinctively. It's like the moment the person starts talking, oh, you see, this thing, this thing, instinctively, no, it's like you start getting irritated inside. Uh, you don't even want to listen well. You know, that kind of thing. You, you, you just start building defenses. Defenses in your mind. But it's a privilege for somebody to actually look at you and point out a fault to you. That's the only way you can get better. That's the only way you can get better in life. But if immediately the person opens their mouth, you are building defenses. You don't even consider, oh, let me even ponder over what the person is saying. Let me, let me think through it. Maybe there might be some merit in it. The moment the person opens their mouth and it sounds like criticism, you just build walls and defenses. It is a sign that you are proud. And God is about to resist you. And before I forget, those who have been saying, can you imagine this guy? If really the word of God is true and God resists the proud, you have to go after here to go. If you have done that before, go and pray a special prayer of forgiveness before God starts resisting you in the area of marriage. Because the Bible says the Lord, he resists the proud. You better go and pray. If you have done that before, maybe that's the reason for your delay. Because some guy came and you did, you made some derogatory statement somewhere. So God is going according to his word and he's resisting you. Hallelujah. So you get instinctively defensive when a fault of yours is pointed out. Five. You get offended. This one is not like you are getting defensive. You get offended when a fault or failing of yours is pointed out. This one, you, you actually get offended. Being defensive is different from being offended. You get offended. Six, whenever somebody starts pointing out a fault or a failing in you, you instinctively start scanning your mind for faults in that person so that you can make a presentation after they are done with this. It's a sign of pride. The person starts, no, you start, okay, you cry, this, that, that. And the faults you are looking for are not related to the subject the person is talking about. 
if it's related to the subject the person has brought then fine you can talk about it but you start scanning your mind and when he finishes are you done okay you do this that 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 it's a sign of pride seven when you are judgmental everybody say judgmental one of the things God hates is judgmental Christians because you see God he knows your heart he knows what is in your heart the Bible says as a man thinketh in his heart so is he we may not be seeing you doing certain things but God knows what is in your heart I keep telling people if your thoughts for the last 24 hours were to be projected on this screen for all of us to watch will you be comfortable in fact what would the rating of that movie be PG 13 U Universal 18 plus 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 don't be judgmental if you understand the power in the blood of Jesus Christ you will not be judgmental even if somebody is overtaking in the fall the Bible says if one of you is overtaking in the fall those of you who are spiritual should restore such a one in the spirit of love in the spirit of love in the spirit of love I, mean, I tell people look when something happens to somebody you hold in high esteem eh, the person falls in one way or the other you should also blame yourself maybe a man of God you respect you should blame yourself because you, you, you refuse to pray for him if it is the devil who tempts and it is the agents of the devil who tempt demons and stuff like that if the Bible says God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can take then it means even the demons that are released to tempt you depending on your grade they allow certain grades of demons to come so if you are level 1 Christian it's level 1 demons that will be brought to come and tempt you if you are level 4 level 4 demons so if somebody has been overtaken in the fall somebody you look up to don't stand and say ah even me I wouldn't have done that the person is level 4 if a level 2 is released to you at your level 1 if God just allows a level 2 to get to you you will do twice what he did hallelujah so let's not be judgmental yes wrong is wrong but we don't approach it with a judgmental spirit number 8 you have a predisposition to finding faults and mistakes in others without spending that much time and energy examining your own faults some people it's as if they are God appointed prefects they are just looking for faults in everybody hey this is hey, this, that, that, that. meanwhile you yourself you are nowhere near perfect but what did Jesus say remove the log you, you have timber inside your eyes and somebody has a little speck but you are focusing so much with the one eye that is left of yours on this little speck and you are forgetting that a whole log is protruding out of your eyes deal with yourself first don't make yourself a self-appointed judge over others don't be a judge over another man's servant. Self-appointed prefects. Everybody, it's, 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 it's like it. So if you're holding a big cane, everybody, meanwhile, you yourself, 
you have issues it's a sign of pride hallelujah nine you are argumentative sometimes oh, it looks like oh this person likes debating like behind it is a spirit of pride because you want to challenge everything you have an opinion on everything it, it, it's, it's just because you are conceited you think you have the best ideas you have the, the the best strategies everything that is what makes you argumentative it's not just because you have words and you just want to express words it is a manifestation of the spirit of pride number 10 <clears throat> you are easily irritated on and offended and gloomy because of what others have done easily irritated easily offended it may look like oh that is my my, my character that is my nature but behind it is the spirit of pride. Why is it that the same thing is done to somebody else and the person is not irritated and the person is not offended? But you, you're offended by it. Easily offended, easily irritated. Gloomy. It is a manifestation of the spirit of pride. 11. You have a hard time sharing your weaknesses with others. You see, our weaknesses primarily are supposed to be confessed to God. But there's also a place for confessing our sins to one another. Hallelujah. There are some sins, eh? The power of those sins over you is in the fact that it is a secret and you are the only one who knows about it. The moment you confide in somebody else that, Charlie, this is a problem I have. The problem is Wankota dealt with. David calls them secret faults. The power of secret faults is in the fact that it is secret. But if you can be humble enough to open up to a trusted person, say trusted. Mm, because some people, if you tell them, it's like announcing it on CNN and BBC. Everybody will get to know a trusted person. You shouldn't be proud, too proud to tell a person, look, I, I'm, I'm having a challenge in this area. Help me pray. Be an accountability partner for me. This pornography thing is worrying me. So now I'm not going to put a password on my phone. You have every right to go into my phone at any time to check what websites I've been visiting. My laptop, I've removed the password. This is humility. But when you are proud, you keep it to yourself. You'll be in chains, you'll be in bondage. Satan will mess up your life. I pray that you'll be humble about your weaknesses. Twelve. You are a so-called perfectionist, but your perfectionist nature only comes when it's got to do with others, but not yourself. It's got to do with others. You are a perfectionist. No, no, no. Ah, why? Just small thing. No, no, no. But when it comes to you yourself, when you make the mistake, everybody must laugh. Everybody must laugh. Over. Oh, everybody else is not. It's not tolerable. Hey, no. Why can't you do that? You are a perfectionist, but the perfectionist nature only comes when you are dealing with others, not when you are dealing with yourself. It's a sign of pride. You frequently interrupt people when they speak. And a lot of people do that unconsciously. Somebody is talking, allow the person to finish. The reason why you are interrupting the person is that subconsciously, you think you are more intelligent than the person. You think what the person is saying, there's no sense in it. You think you have better ideas than the person. 
You think you have better points than the person. That is why you interrupt people when they are, talk, they are talking. There are some people when you are talking to them, some people come to you, they are looking for counseling. By the time they finish, it's like they are counseling you. 80% of the talking is, is there. And they'll be quoting scriptures and doing this and that, 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 and things like that. Some people came to see me. They wanted me to come and preach a certain topic. So they brought me a letter. And the topic was inside. And the guy started. So, um, this, 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 that, that. And he started doing an exposition on the topic. Preaching it. I was like, ah. Then I think you should preach it too. The way you are speaking. And, and for about 10 minutes, it was just going on and on and on and on and on and on and on about you interact people when they are talking. You need to watch it because it's a sign of pride. 14. You talk about yourself too much. Some people, when you meet them, and when I was in Dubai, and four years ago when I was in London, I was walking on the streets of Paris. Sometimes you go inside, Bolga, Tanga, they've not even reached there before. Always talking about yourself. went to this school and this that 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 I was talking to one student and she had a credit in a certain subject and when we were talking she was trying to find it I knew she had gotten a credit but I didn't mention it trying to find a way of bringing the exam results into the conversation you see that thing trying to bring it this and at the point oh and I even had a credit I pretended as if I had no head so I'm talking to her mention it again and I even got a credit it was mentioned it the third time I was like oh yeah 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 you've done well you've done well it's okay yeah 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 hey <laughs> it is bridal <laughs> it's pride always talking about yourself I know somebody who left the church because he said anytime the pastor comes to stand there, he would talk. It's his life history. It's like the church is a series on his biography. Talk about himself, talk about himself like that. But it could be a sign of pride. You neglect to express gratitude for little things done. Gratitude for little things done. You're waiting for something big to be done for you before you say thank you. A simple bring me water person brought it oh thank you very much it won't reduce you in any way it doesn't change your status in any way gratitude you get hurt or offended when your accomplishments are not recognized sometimes it's a problem when it comes to even introducing preachers these days woe betide you if you don't add his title. I went for a program. Somebody was asked to come and give a prayer. He came. They introduced him as brother something, something, something. He came to give the prayer. When he finished, it's a point of correction. I am pastor, so, so, and so. And he left the microphone when he was going. He came back and was like, in fact, I am reverend, so, so, and so. Hey, This one is pure pride. Then your accomplishments. Some of you, those two letters in front of your name, DR. If you go somewhere and they don't mention, they just mention your first name. And you realize that inside you, you are offended. Charlie, do you know the number of eyes I wrote? To get those two letters in front of my name. 
Tell somebody be humble. Be humble. You get hurt or offended when your opinions are not considered in decision making. Sometimes in leadership, it's like ah, we are trying to make a decision. When you suggest something, you expect that everybody will take it. So when your opinion is not taken, ah, you're offended. It's a sign of pride. You are offended only because you think your opinions are superior to other people's opinions. 18. You have a hard time being told what to do. You have a hard time being told. There are some people, they like to tell people what to do all the time. But you attempt telling them what to do. They'll say this one, Oh, share me so do do. We are being domineering. You have a hard time being told what to do. 19. You avoid participating in certain activities for fear of being embarrassed or looking foolish. Example in church. When they say, give the Lord a shout, most of the time it's just about 50% of the people who shout. It's not because you don't believe it's biblical. Because you know it's in the Bible. Clap your hands, oh you people, and shout unto the Lord with their voice. You know that scripture. It's not because you don't think it's biblical. But you are embarrassed. Your makeup is too nice for you to shout. How can I shout in church? You spend 45 minutes to paint your face. So you feel Charlie. How can I come and do? lady like this, he shouted, it's not dignified. Some people even have a hard time when they say lift up your hands to Jesus. It's a problem. It's as if lead weights have been put on their deltoid muscles. Lift up your hand, it's a problem. When we entered medical school, there was a friend of mine. We went to CMA for the first time and that day the person who was leading worship came and said lift up your hand to Jesus. And that was the end of his coming to CMA. He never stepped in CMF. Until we finish school, he said, why, why should somebody ask him to lift up his hand? If he wants to lift up his hand, he will lift it himself. Why should somebody tell him to lift up his hand? It's a lack of humility. If you can't lift up your hand before God, you feel embarrassed to do certain things for Jesus. Do you know what it meant for him to hang on that cross? Those pictures you see with him being covered with that white thing, it is just for the sake of decency. There was nothing there. He was completely naked. How much more embarrassing, how, how much more embarrassed can you get than to hang on a tree naked for you? And they say, just lift up your hand or shout. And it's a problem. Some people, because of the makeup, worship, cry. When the song enters their heart and the tears are coming, they look for handkerchief. A mascara go come out too. A lot of people, <laughs> you watch people's handkerchiefs after a church. <laughs> Evidence of messed up <laughs> makeup. So people are afraid. You you are exhorting the makeup that you have made, whether it's Pons or Medalla Oblongata, Mary Kay or Mary White or whatever. You allow yourself to be intimidated by those that are around you. It is a sign of pride. Hallelujah. Yeah. You should be able to shout when they say you should shout. Meanwhile, when you are watching football, welcome. 
Especially World Cup. Because as for World Cup, even those who don't like football, crap, become football fans. Hey, World Cup time, eh? See people's patriotism. Ghana flag. Especially the women who don't wear the football. Ghana flag. People flags on their cars. This, that, 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 that. Me, I know. I have somebody in my house. He doesn't really like football. But World Cup time, when we lose, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, what Asamoah has done to us? 2010 World Cup. Penalty. Badieno. First African country to enter semi-finals. That day when they put the ball down. I couldn't sit down. I was up. Ready to jump. Hit the thing. The thing hit the bar. In fact, that day I, I nearly had a myocardial infarction. In fact, I couldn't believe it. It's like, I wish I could rewind time. My wife who doesn't like football, she was silent as if... <laughs> <laughs> they received bad news. Daddy, we both couldn't sleep. Oh. I thought I was the only one. I'll turn and look at her, and she's awake. And she asked me, Hey, Charlie, so we really lost the match. <laughs> so we really lost the match. It's as if we were dreaming. So, football, when your team scores, you can shout. You don't even care. You see, when people are jubilating in football, you can hug anybody, you can high-five people, that kind of thing. You don't even read people you don't even know. After church, they say hug five people. You are shy. It is the spirit of pride. Come down from your high horse. You see, if we all deal with the spirit of pride, We'll have better friendships. We'll have better marriages. We'll have better churches. Yeah, because most of the things that destroy human associations, the underlying factor is the spirit of pride. Marriage is offense. A lot of times it's offense. That's what takes the joy out of it. But if we obey the word of God, that says... Yes, you are allowed to be angry, but don't let the sun set upon your anger. And I've told you that what that means is that you are only allowed 12 hours of anger. Sun rises at 6, sets at 6. Within that time, 12 hours, you can't be angry beyond 12 hours. If you go 12 hours, 1 minute, you have contravened scripture, you have sinned. And most of the time, the reason why we can't let things go is because we are proud. It's pride. Our marriages will be better, our relationships will be better, our friendships will be better, our churches will be better if we can all deal with this thing called pride. Look, a lot of these women's liberation things and I know my right business things, they were meant to solve problems of domestic violence and everything. But the spirit of pride has attached itself to it and a lot of the things that they are teaching are as a result of pride. As a result of pride. If you realize you get uncomfortable or offended when you have to serve somebody, maybe even give somebody water, you feel something inside you. It is a spirit of pride. You need to work on it. Maybe it's just a normal friend. Though. Say, so take water from the fridge for me. Immediately, you, if you realize your first instinct is like, ah, who is he? It is a manifestation of the spirit of pride. Why can't you take the water for him or her? Don't you have legs? 
Can't you see the fridge? Isn't there water inside? All the components that are needed for you to be able to do that thing are there. The only thing preventing it is called the spirit of pride. Why can't you take water for somebody? If we deal with the spirit of pride, our relationships will be better. Submission is difficult for women now because of this thing called pride. And you allow Oprah Winfrey and those people who have never married before to be dictating ideas into your mind. As for God, he's wise though. It's not everything he does that we agree with. But at the end of the day, his foolishness is wiser than our wisdom. He sat down and decided that the man should be the head of the home. God means the self-existing one. He doesn't consult anybody. He decided. He knows the end from the beginning. He said the man should be the head of the home. So there's no room for equal contribution, equal authority. Modern day doctrines of demons. Divorces were less in those days because they were simple about them, about their marriage. I heard some pastor preaching that every woman must call the husband my Lord. And I know when I said it immediately, something started moving in you. It is a spirit of pride. It's a manifestation. I have elicited a spirit of pride. <laughs> this one is not prophetical. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Immediately I said, My Lord. Said, hey. My Lord, mirror. <laughs> me, I don't want, I don't even want my wife to call me my Lord. Because me, I think it's not romantic. <laughs> it's not romantic. Mirror. <laughs> but it is biblical. Let me show you something. The way some of the guys are nodding, it's like, <laughs> you like it, but... <laughs> Let's read First Peter chapter 3, 1 to 6. I want to show you that it's biblical. So what the pastor was preaching wasn't wrong. First Peter 3, 1 to 6. He said, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husband. Somebody say, own husband. Your own husband. That means... You can't be respecting your pastor and disrespecting your husband at home because your pastor is also somebody's husband. I understand what I'm saying. There's a moment, oh, they, when it comes to pastor, oh, man of God, hey, this is when it comes to husband. Hey, 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 husband talks. Hey. I watched a video. Some guy was like, he's even beginning to forget his own name because he doesn't remember the last time his wife addressed him by the name. He asked him, what name does he call you? He said, every time, Masa. 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 She has called him Masa. Ah, he's even forgotten his name. Meanwhile, you can show reverence to a man of God who is somebody else's husband. He said, submit to your own husband. That if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. Next. While they behold your chaste conversations coupled with fear. Next. Whose adorning? Let it not be outward adorning. He's talking about having a, a sweet spirit as a woman. 
of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on apparel. Next. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, of God of great price. Next. For after this manner in the old time, so even they today referring to old days, olden days that look, some of the things that are happening, it wasn't like that in those days. The holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjugation unto their own husbands. Next. That's what I'm interested in. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are. As long as ye do well and are not afraid, with any amazement. Hallelujah. What Peter was trying to tell them was that Sarah called, if you go to Genesis 18, Sarah, she called her husband, my Lord, Abraham, my Lord, my Lord. I'm sure some of you are thinking, this is Jewish culture. Because that one is difficult for you. If it is Jewish culture, then don't pray about the blessings of Abraham. Oh, I am a child of Abraham. The wealth of the Gentile is mine. When it comes to that one day, you are receiving it. If you are a child of Abraham, that means you're also a child of Sarah. And he's saying, if Sarah did it, it's an example unto you. Hallelujah. I'm saying, me, I won't demand it. But if somebody preaches it, it is biblical. I pray that that staring that was in your spirit has come down. Now that you've seen that, it is from the word of God. Hallelujah. Look, if we walk in humility, the marriages will be better. And now let me move to the men. That is not an excuse for you to be stamping over your wife and treating her like anyhow. It's not. Being married is not the liberation from lifting a finger. Especially in the early stages of marriage. Maybe you can't afford the help or something. There are things you can do to help at home. Some of you, the moment you marry like this, you even wish that the spoon that you were fed with God, the woman will, will take the food and put it in your mouth like a baby. You want to behave like a baby. But at the same time, you want nobody subjects to a baby. Nobody submits to a baby. You behave like a man. Hallelujah. It's not, it's not an, an excuse. And you see, if you're a man and you can't give compliments to your wife, it is a sign of pride. Criticism, the intent. Hey, you, this is a why. And this and this and this. And when it comes to compliments, that one is difficult. It is also a manifestation of pride. Ah. If they cook and the cooking is good, tell them, Charlie, this one, yeah, it is a serious temptation. Last week, my wife cooked some soup. I told her that you shouldn't be cooking these things during the time of fasting and prayer. You are worrying my senses and sensibilities. I'll be fasting, praying, and I'll be thinking soup, 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 So learn to give compliments. Some people have this mentality that you only, um, you should only speak about a thing if it is negative. It is a wrong mentality. I told you that time, even Jesus, when he was criticizing the churches, he wasn't criticizing, he was critiquing. You start with the good. I know your ways. You've done this, that, that, that. But then he brings in, so he's balanced nicely. You are happy and you are sad at the same time. Neutral, zero, no offense. So gentlemen, learn to compliment. 
If you don't and you can't, it is a sign that you are proud. You are proud. If you see my, my wife, her new hairstyle, I told her to do it because the last time she did it, it was nice. I told her she should do it again. That's why it is there. Learn to give compliments. Eh? You, you have to emulate your father. Hallelujah. Yes, not just the anointing, but in all ways. Some of you can't do anything at home. If you marry and your wife travels for six months, by the time they come, you are skeletal. Because you can't do anything for yourself. If you attempt to cook a meal, you turn it into a burnt offering. Unto the Lord. Even water, if you don't take time, if you are boiling, you burn it. Water. You burn it. Can't do anything. Look, doing some of these things doesn't change you as a man in any way. It doesn't change you in any way. Look, my wife is here. She says, the things I, 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 my children, I used to, I bath them. I will whatever do diapers. Oh, we've changed some before. If it's bottle feeding, we'll feed. Just that breast milk we don't have. So that one we cannot do. <laughs> Fat. Done all kinds of things. Even to the extent that times, and my wife is my witness, if I'm lying, we are sleeping and the baby is, you know, sometimes their nose gets blocked. And it's very, it's like they are irritated and you too, you can't sleep. And you can't tell the baby blow your nose. There are times I put my mouth on the nose and suck the flame out and spit it out so that the baby can sleep and we can all sleep. And my height is still the same. It hasn't changed. So gentlemen, come off your high horses. Stop this thing called pride. If we can deal with pride, our relationships will be better, our marriages will be better, our friendships will be better, and our churches will be better. Shall we put our hands together for the Lord? Shall we stand to our feet? This morning we want to pray. You've had a message on pride. And as I said in the beginning, you see, if at any point in time as I was preaching and mentioning the things, you felt irritated or angry, that is the last sign. That's the 20th sign. I gave you 19. The first one was that when I mentioned the topic, you thought of somebody. The 20th one is that as I was speaking, you got irritated at a point in time. It means you need help. You need to deal with the spirit of, of, of pride. You want to pray today. I've told you how serious pride is in the heart, in the heart, in the, in the mind of God. And the fact that God puts it in a different category altogether. And God is going to ensure that no proud person will join him in heaven. Because if pride attempted to overthrow him, maybe if he allows pride again, he may not survive the good eternal the next time. So as of pride, it will not enter heaven. It's the mother of all sins. You want to pray today that Father, any pride that is in me, help me to overcome it. Maybe for you, it's because it's, it's, it's the fact that you get offended when your opinion is not taken. You get easily irritated with people. You get easily offended at people. You, 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 you look down on people in your mind all the things that I've mentioned. You want to pray that, Lord, deal with me. Deal with me. Deal with this pride. Lift up your voice and pray. Lift up your voice and pray. Let me hear you pray. Let me hear you.